This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Rusty Gray and Toya Christian Fellowship. For more information, visit tcfministries.org. Good morning, everybody. I've got a couple of things on my heart that I want to share with you. The very first thing is I want you to know, number one this morning, now this isn't my message, but this is just on my heart. You have a heavenly father who loves you. And he knows your name, and he knows what's going on in your life, and he loves you. I heard somebody say the other day that when they hear that God's their father, it, had as, it has about as much effect on them as hearing that uh, George Washington is the father of our country. And I know sometimes we can feel that way, but I want you to know this morning, you have a heavenly father who knows you, he knows your name, and he loves you. Here's the second thing. All right, you have a pastor who loves you and cares about you. I want you to know how grateful I am that I'm pastor of Tulia Christian Fellowship. I'm grateful to be your pastor. I'm grateful that you allow me to be your pastor. I'm grateful that you're here this morning to hear what I have to say and what, what God has given me. And I love this church, and I love you, and I'm thankful for you. So you have a father who loves you. You have a pastor who loves you. And then the third thing I want you to know is, is you're not alone this morning. All right, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever mountains you have in your life, you are not on your own. All right, you are not on your own. Listen, I care about you and I pray for you. God cares about you. All right, he's moving in your life. And I want you to do something this morning. I just want you to look around the room, if you would, at the people that are here. You're not on your own. You're not alone. Okay, and I could call out many names across this room this morning, and I know that people in this room would help you in any way that they could, in any way that you need help. So I want you to be encouraged this morning in that fact, all right? Here's the second thing. Last night we did our men's dinner. We had a blast. Uh, we had 80 men, and we hung out, and we ate. I didn't quite get enough to eat. Uh, there was cobbler left. Uh, somebody laughed. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. You, you see? All right, brother. We didn't get enough to eat. Uh, uh, there was cobbler left over, and somehow I managed to be the one that got to take it home. And, and so I ate a little bit of it last night just to try to make sure that I was full. Uh, we had a blast last night. One of the things that we did last night is I have three men in the church who uh, pulled some money together, and they got $450 together, and they bought these books. This book is called A Mindset Free by Pastor Jimmy Evans. And uh, we gave one to each one of the men that were there last night. Now, I have a few of these left over, and I have them at the red desk in the foyer. And gentlemen, if you'd like one of these books, I would love for you to have one. I'd like to get rid of them this morning. They're worth taking. They're free. So if you didn't get one and you weren't there last night, I'd love to give you one. Now, gentlemen, let me tell you something about this book. This will get the devil off your back. All right? Now, it's a man-sized book. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, it's small and easy to read. Amen? Amen. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wanting you to read a 300-page book. Amen? Uh, this book is practical, and it'll help you. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. If you've got fear, if you're worried about the future, if you're worried about your job, if you're worried about your family, uh, maybe you're dealing with lust. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. I know all of us as men can have issues. This little book will help get the devil off your back. You can have it. I've got a few out there, so when the service is over, go by and pick you up one, and uh, I want you to have it. And would you come get this one, Dylan? Do you have one? No, sir. You have one now. All right, there you go. Okay, uh, the next thing I want to do is pray, and then we're going to look in the Word. So would you join me as we pray? Father God, I come to you this morning, and I thank you for the power of prayer. 
Father, you said that if we would pray and agree together that you'd hear us and you'd move. So, Father, I thank you for our church. I'm so blessed to be pastor here. I'm so blessed to be a part of something so amazing, and I'm grateful. Father, we lift up our families to you. We lift up this city and this area to you. And, God, we cry out to you that you'd pour your mercy on this city and this county and the surrounding communities. Father, you said in Scripture that if we would ask you for the, for the heathen, you'd give them to us, that the heathen could be our inheritance. Father, I want this city. God, I I want the teenagers. I want the children. I want the adults. Father, we want the hurting. We want the hopeless. We want the broken. God, we cry out to you this morning that you bring those people into our place, that we can love them and introduce them to Christ. Father, quickly, I want to lift up the other churches and pastors. And Father, I pray they're strengthened today. They're refreshed today. They're encouraged today. Father, I know that if every church in this city was full to capacity, there'd still be people in this town that don't know you. So Father, move on our churches, move on our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you all for praying with me. This morning, I'm going to continue talking to you about faith. It's my third week to do it. And I'm going to conclude. I'm not by any means exhausting teaching on faith. Okay. But this is just my third week and I'm going to finish. Now, next week, I'm starting a new series that I'm so excited about. I've been studying. Every one of you are going to get a card in the mail, and I'm not going to give you the title of it. You're going to get a card in the mail that'll tell you the title, but man, don't miss next week. These next four weeks, I've got something stirring in me, and I'm so excited, and uh, you're going to be blessed and ministered to. But I want to finish this morning on faith. Now, here's what we have found out up to this point. We found out that God said, without faith, it's impossible to please me. God said, it's impossible. You can't please me without faith. Well, if God says something's impossible, if I don't do it, he's not pleased with me. And if I don't have it, I can't please him. Then we found out that it's pretty important and something that we need to know about. So God said, it's impossible to please me without faith. Then he gave us a clue. He gave us two clues in that verse to faith. And here was the first clue. The first clue God said is you have to believe that I am. You have to believe that I exist. Now listen to me, church. That longing in your heart, that longing that you have for life is from God. Okay, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that eternity is written on our hearts. Have you ever had a day that was just like a perfect day? Maybe it was a child's birthday party or maybe it was a day on vacation or you'd done something and you just thought the day was so good, you just wish you could almost bottle it. You know, you just think, oh, if I could just save this day. Okay, that's that draw in your heart for eternity. The only place that you and I are going to find the hope we're looking for, the joy we're looking for, the happiness we're looking for is in God. So God says, hey, the only thing that will please me is faith. And so the first thing I want you to know is I exist And that drawing, that longing. See, you're not here today because you decided to come. You just obeyed that longing and that drawing in your heart to come. Then here's the second thing he said. He said, you must also believe that I'm a rewarder. I'm a rewarder. Now, see, this is about God's character. Now, I don't know what you've been taught about God. I don't know what you've learned about God in your life. But God said, I want you to know that I exist And then I want you to know that if you'll seek me, if you'll draw near to me, which by the way, you are doing, you're here this morning, then you you know what you find out? God says, I'm a rewarder. Then we found out in another verse, God uses the word generous. 
And God says, I'm a generous rewarder. Listen, here's, here's what I want you to see in this before I move on. You'll never be sorry for saying yes to Jesus. You'll never be sorry. And as you draw near to God, he said, I want to generously reward you. Amen? And so we found out, then how do we get faith? Well, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every time I hear good preaching, and by the way, you are, amen? Amen, thank you. Yeah, you're hearing good preaching. If you hear good preaching, when you read your Bible, when you listen to good preaching in your truck or in your car, you're building your faith, you're feeding your faith, and you're starving your doubts. Every time you come to church, you feed your faith and you starve your doubts. It's that simple. When you read the Bible, you're feeding your faith, you're starving your doubts. Just like when you and I get ready to leave here in a little bit and we're gonna go eat lunch and that food provides strength for my body to live. When you feed on God's word, it's spiritual food and it feeds your heart and it builds your faith to live a life of faith and a life that pleases God and, and it causes God to move in your life. Amen. Then the other verse we read is, is that the power of God, the power of the gospel uh, is in salvation. And we found out that that word power is the Greek word dunamis. And it's where we get our word dynamite from. You know, if I had three sticks of dynamite this morning and I lit the fuse, uh, it wouldn't matter how cold it was outside, amen? Y'all would start making your way for, the, you'd be getting out of this building, wouldn't you? Okay, that's what the word of God is. See, when you hear the word of God and you dare believe it, it's explosive power in your life. And, and the Bible says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Now, salvation, number one, of course, it's receiving Jesus as your savior. It's forgiveness. But the, the word means healing. It means restoration. It means wholeness. All the things that you're looking for in your life comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you read the word and when you hear good preaching, you grow and you're strengthened and you're encouraged. Now, remember back when you heard the good news preached. The preacher came to my house. I'm 12 years old. He preached the gospel. He said, hey, Rusty, Jesus died on a cross for you and he was risen from the dead three days later. And if you'll receive him as your savior, you can go to heaven. And I said, I believe I'll have some of that. I want that. Well, I prayed that simple prayer, and you know what I did? I confessed with my mouth. That's what Romans says, right? I confessed with my mouth, and I believed in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead for me. And you know what happens? Faith was sparked in my heart, and I became a Christian. I was born again. But why? Because I heard the message of the gospel. Now, let me tell you something very important. This last week, Vicki and I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we went to a conference and while we were there, we went downtown. Downtown Tulsa uh, has some of the most beautiful, amazing churches I've ever seen. They're just, they're just gorgeous. Well, we went downtown, and we're looking around, and there's St. Andrew's Episcopal Church down there. And it's just big and gorgeous. And so Vicki said, do you think the door's unlocked? It was during the week. She said, do you think we might could get in? And I said, I don't know. Let's try. So we got out of our car, and the door was open. And so we just walked right in, and we went up this staircase, and there was a man sitting at a desk. And he said, can I help you? And we said, no, we just wanted to look around. He said, help yourself. Go look around. Go do whatever you want. So we walked through this church, and it's one of those old churches built in the 1900s. Uh, one of the ladies there said it was it was, uh, it was the best that old money could buy. All right, you know what that means, right? Back when a dollar was a dollar, and uh, they built this like at the turn of the century, and it's just magnificent. And you know, they have these big, beautiful uh, stained glass windows. Well, they even have a book you can buy that tells the story of each window, and you know, they're worth millions of dollars. And so he, he came up and gave us a book. We didn't even have to buy it, and he said, hey, here's a book about the windows. Well, as we're walking along and looking, on the bottom in the corner 
uh, there's people's names where these windows have been dedicated to people, people who've passed away. And a lot of the windows were dated in the 1800s. That's how long ago the windows had been put in. And I noticed something. And it had a man's name, and then underneath it, it said, this window is dedicated to Rusty Gray. Uh, I'll just put my name in there. And it said that he was a dedicated churchman. All right, now, here's what struck me about that, and here's why I'm telling you this morning. I love church. I believe in church. I believe that the hope of Tulia, Texas is its churches. Amen? I believe the hope of America, the hope of the world is the church. I I believe that. But I want to make sure that you understand, and I know a lot of you do, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, and going to church doesn't make you right with God. What makes you right with God is knowing Jesus as your Savior. Now, church is a great place to find Christ. You can find Jesus anywhere else. And, And I'm not saying the person that window was dedicated to didn't know Jesus, but it struck me. You don't want to be just a church member. You want to be a born-again Christian. Then I was visiting with a family not very long ago, and they had had a loved one who'd passed away. And the person told me they were concerned that they couldn't remember when this person had been baptized. And uh, I, I believe in baptism. Jesus was baptized. I've been baptized. If you haven't been baptized and you know Jesus is your Savior, you should be baptized. And we're going to do one. Uh, the next one we're going to do will be the first week of June. We're going to have our church picnic, and we're going to do a water baptism out there. But baptism doesn't save you. Water does not wash away your sin. Blood does. The blood of Jesus. Amen. Now, we believe in baptism. I've been baptized. You should be baptized. But when somebody dies, it's not important whether they were baptized. What's important is, did they know Christ is their Savior? Did they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart? Did they hear the gospel? Now, again, I'm for baptism. I've been baptized. You should be too. So I just want to make sure that you understand that this morning. Now, what I want to do next this morning is I want to read a story to you out of the New Testament. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 5. Last week, if you remember, you remember Paul was preaching and the crippled man was there. If you were here last week, there was a man that was crippled from birth. He'd never walked a day in his life. And uh, you remember Paul, it said Paul perceived that he had faith because he heard the gospel. And Paul said, hey, get up and walk. And the man got up and healed. Got, and he was healed. And we found out that the reason he was healed is, was because of his faith. And the way he got faith is he heard the word of God. Paul, Paul didn't heal him by his power, or, and he didn't heal him because he was an apostle. He was healed because he heard the word of God. All right, I want to read you a story that is basically some of the same things, and I'm going to start now. Before I read, I'm going to start in verse 24. Jesus is coming off the Sea of Galilee, and he's walking. Anywhere Jesus is, there's a crowd. Because if you get close to Jesus, something happens and something changes. So there's stories about what's going on with Jesus. And so the man from the synagogue comes up, Jairus, and he basically falls down on the ground. And he says, Jesus, would you please come to my house? Please come to my house. My daughter is there. She's a, I have a little daughter, and she's sick, and, and we're afraid she's going to die. And would you please come and touch her, and she'll be healed? And you know what he said? Yes. He didn't say, well, maybe it's not my will. Do you know Jesus only prayed that one time in the entire New Testament? And we've built an entire doctrine out of it. Yeah, right. He prayed that one time. One time in his entire ministry. And it was in the garden. And it was about going to the cross. And he said, Lord, I don't want to do this. His flesh didn't want to die any more than your flesh wants to die. And he said, Lord, if there's any way around this, I'd just soon not do this. But I know I have to. And because it's your will, we're going to do it. 
And then the Bible says that the joy that was set before him. In other words, he saw our faces when he went to the cross. That's the only time he prayed that prayer. But then we've taken it and built an entire doctrine out of it that, oh, you never know what God's going to do. All right, Jairus said, would you please come to my house? And he said, I will. All right, now let me start reading to you in verse 24. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay them. But she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, now, let me say something right here. The King James says that she said. She didn't just think, she said, okay? She said to herself, uh, let me catch my place here, I'm sorry. For she said to herself, if I can touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus, realizing at once that healing power, the King James uses the word virtue, and I love that word, that virtue, life, had gone out from him. So he turned to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she'd done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Not Jesus' faith. Her faith. See that? Her faith made her well. What does he say? Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now listen. I want you to understand something here very powerfully. The Bible is a book of examples, not exceptions. See, a lot of times we read the Bible, oh, isn't that an amazing story? Isn't that great how Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood? Oh, if Jesus was just here today. Oh, if I could just press through and touch his garment. Oh, if I was just here with Jesus now. Isn't that an amazing story? And we turn those stories into exceptions. In other words, it doesn't apply to me. It's just a great story in a book. Okay, it's not a book of exceptions. It's a book of examples. Here's the thing. Jesus said the promises of God, the book, the Bible, everything in there is yes and amen. All right, what does that mean? That means when you find a promise in the book, you can have it. But see, you've been told you can't have it. Oh, that's not for you, brother. Oh, that's passed away. Oh, that was just for the disciples. Oh, that was a different dispensation. Oh, that's not the will of God. And you bite on that like a bass on a worm. Bam! Amen? And then you're in the frying pan of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And then you're mad at God. Amen? You're mad at God. Oh, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. All the promises of God, how much is all? If I said all of you get $1,000 today, would, would, I, I'd do that if you'd go tell everybody that wasn't here today, man, they gave out $1,000 this morning. I don't, I don't know what they're doing next week. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. They're not exceptions, they're examples. Now, I want to go back, and I'm going to show you some amazing truth in this story. First off, let's just talk about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she'd been sick for 12 years. 
over a decade. She's been sick. She has suffered, and that is an understatement. That is an understatement. She's been bleeding nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 12 years. She has suffered. It says that the doctors were no help. She went to the doctor. Sometimes the doctors help. They do. Amen. Thank God for doctors. Sometimes they help. But sometimes they don't know what to do. Amen. The next thing it says is that she spent all her money. Her, what is it? Her million dollar cap on her insurance that hit a million. She's done. She's bankrupt. She'd used all her savings, all her retirement. Now, I'm being facetious here and I know it. But whatever she had put up, she used all of it. And it says not only did she not get any help, but she grew worse. But here's the big thing I want you to see. In those times in the Bible, in those days, in that culture, if you had any kind of bleeding, you were considered unclean. Anything you touched was unclean. The clothes you wore were unclean. The bed you slept on was unclean. The bowl and spoon you ate your oatmeal out of in the morning was unclean. Your house was unclean. Your porch with your chair on the front in the morning to have your coffee is unclean. And if you had leprosy, when you went out into public, you were supposed to cry out while you walked along the street, unclean, unclean, which meant I'm sick. There's something wrong with me. Can you imagine the shame that that would put on you? Can you imagine if you went to the mall and the entire time you're walking along in the mall, you have to holler out and warn people, don't touch me, I'm sick. There's something wrong with me and you might get it. And so for you to not get it, don't get close to me. So anywhere she walked, the crowd went around her. Now she didn't walk very far because she didn't have any energy because she'd been sick for 12 years. And everywhere she went, she was a pariah. She was an outcast. She couldn't go draw water at the well with other people. She couldn't go down to the grocery store and pull out a basket and go down the aisle at Walmart because that basket was unclean. If she took a jar of pickles off of the counter and looked at it, thought, I don't want those, I'm going to put those back, they would take them off and throw them in the trash. That's the life she lived. You got the picture? It was bad. Then what happened? Let me back up and show you what happened. It says she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. Now, it doesn't say who told her. I want to think it was the neighbor. The neighbor lady came over. Oh, my gosh. Have you heard about Jesus? Now, see, the neighbor lady didn't care she was unclean because women have good hearts. See, the neighbor neighbor lady loved her. She didn't care. She went over to her house. Have you heard about Jesus? No, no, Jesus who? Oh my gosh, Jesus. There's talk that he's the Messiah. I was down getting water and the ladies were talking about over at another town. Somebody got healed and and, and a dead man's been raised and and he he supposedly he's here in this area and, and I think he's coming here and maybe, I don't know, maybe you could get some help. They say he heals people. Now I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. She heard the good news. She heard. Now, how do you get faith? You get faith by hearing. 
Hey, Jesus is coming and he might help you. Now, let me keep reading. Listen to what happened. It says she heard about Jesus, so she got a plan. She came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. She said to herself, if I could touch his robe, I'll be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Now, I don't know how long it was from the time she heard to the time she left. But let's just take a few days. She formulated a plan. You know, while she's sweeping the kitchen in the morning and she's making her hot tea or her coffee or whatever it is she's drinking, she's saying to herself, man, if Jesus comes, I'm going to get out. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care about what anybody says. I don't care if my mama likes it. I don't care if my grandma likes it. I don't care if the neighbor likes it. I'm going to get out and I'm going to get up close to Jesus. And I just know if I touch him, I just know if I touch him, I'll be made well. She heard it sparked faith in her heart. And she's getting ready to act on it. Now, let me tell you a couple of things here very powerfully. Very powerfully. She violated her culture to touch Jesus. She had to get out of her house. Imagine now, Jesus is in this crowd and there's a group of people. And they're all bumping into him and kind of jostling him and, excuse me, and trying to get around him. And she comes out of her house. She violates her culture by pressing into the crowd. She's not supposed to be in a crowd. She's not supposed to be touching anybody. And she gets that. She's walking through it. And everybody's healthy. Everybody's strong but her. And she's weak and sickly. And she's bleeding. And she's trying to make her way through. And she gets closer. And she gets closer. And as she gets close, she falls, she falls down and she reaches out and she grabs a hold of the edge of his garment. And bam! She's healed instantly. Now, now here's what's powerful. Don't miss this. What does Jesus say? Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, somebody touch me. And they Lord, all kinds of people are touching you. Now, here's where it matters. Here's where it matters. When you come to church, do you bump into Jesus? Or do you reach out and touch him with faith? See the difference? See, they bumped into him, but that life, that virtue on the inside of him is not released because they didn't put a demand on it. They didn't use their faith. They didn't believe who he was. She heard. It sparked faith in her heart. She believed, and she reached out and touched that garment, and she was instantly made well because life flowed out of him and into her, and that disease was driven out of her body. Now... Here's what's powerful. It wasn't the garment. It was Jesus. Them boys selling them prayer shawls on TV, ride them and get your money back. Okay? That cloth had no power in it. I've heard them boys on TV say, you need to get one of these garments because Jesus wore one. That's great that he wore one, and if he had it on, it had power. But who the power was in was in Jesus, not the robe. We're always looking in the wrong place. Now, here's the thing, and I know, I thought this when I was young as a Christian. Here's what I used to think. Oh, I wish I lived when Jesus was alive. Oh, oh it'd be so amazing to be with Jesus and I could touch him and talk to him. And, oh, I got so many questions. And, oh, I just, I felt that before. Here's the thing. He is alive. And you can touch him. What did Jesus say? What did Thomas say? Thomas said, hey, I'm not going to believe unless I can see. There were people who saw, and I'm not going to believe unless I can see. You know what Jesus said? Blessed are those who haven't seen yet believe. See, I've never seen Jesus physically with my eyes, and I still believe just like you do. And you know what? Because of that, we're blessed. 
And then what did Jesus say? He said, it's better for me to go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So see, I have Jesus on the inside of me instead of next to me. And Jesus said that's way better than it was when he was on the earth. Amen? Now, here's the thing I want you to see. You can touch Jesus any time you want to. All you have to do is reach out and do it. How do I do it, Pastor? You do it by reading the Bible and daring to believe it. You do it by coming to church and throwing your hands in the air and saying, Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful for you. And, and worshiping and entering in and sitting and listening to messages. You know what you're doing? You're touching Jesus. Now, here's what happens to people. You see, they come to church and thank God they do, but they just bump into Jesus. They don't touch him. Now, listen, I, and I'm not picking on you. A lot of times, we're just not desperate. Jairus was desperate. Wasn't he the guy before? He comes up and falls on his knees and says, Lord, you got to come home with me. Okay, I'll, I'll go with you. Then on the way, a woman comes up behind, and she falls down and grabs his goal. Oh, my gosh, right? I mean, she violates her, her culture. But see, we don't want to offend anybody. I know people who go to churches with their grandma because their grandma won't let them go anywhere else. Folks, I'm following Jesus, not Meemaw. Meemaw didn't hang on the cross. Meemaw sometimes got power. We go to this church. You can't go over to Rusty's church. Right? Now listen, I love my Meemaw. Now I'm going to hug her neck when I get to heaven. But I don't care who it puts me with. Or who it takes me from. I'm following Jesus. Listen. My family never did understand what happened to me. Well, they, no, I'm, I'm serious. They never did understand what happened to me. To their dying day, they didn't know what happened to me. What happened to you? Jesus is what happened to me. Now, they understand now. Because they're there. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's what happened to Rusty. And when I get there and hug their neck, they'll be like, oh, we know now. We know what it was, right? Listen, you can touch Jesus anytime you want to. Life flows out of him. Now, what happens? Here's what happens. Her faith activated Jesus' power. And I'm going to show you three simple things, and I'm going to stop. I'm out of time. She did three simple things. The first thing is she saw it. All right, several years ago, actually seven years before we started Power Kids down here, I'm driving by that building. One afternoon, minding my own business, and I heard the Holy Spirit in my heart say, power kids will be in this building. Thankfully, he didn't say, in seven years, because that, that wouldn't have made me too happy. So here's what I did. We went down and took a picture of the power kid sign. You know that nice big sign? That's, you know, we have one of the biggest signs in town, and it says power kids. And underneath it, if you haven't noticed, it says Jesus loves you. Well, it didn't say that. So we went down, took a picture of it, and we put it on the computer, and then we made it say Power Kids. And it didn't say Power Kids. We made it. And then I ran it off on the copier, and I kept it with me in my office, and I would look at it all the time. And I would see that building being Power Kids, even though it was the 6th and Gaines Church of Christ. You, you with me? Now, listen, I'd get discouraged. Sometimes I just, I, I just be like, oh, Lord Jesus. You know, Lord. That's what I do with that picture. It ain't ever going to happen, dear Jesus. Dear God. 
That's what I'd do. I'd get mad. I'd get discouraged. Then I'd go back to God, and I'd repent, and I'd get my heart right, and I'd get another picture made. And we hung on to it for seven years. Now I don't have to use my faith anymore. I drive by, and that big sign says Power Kids. Now, I talked to another pastor in town, and he doesn't live here anymore, and he's a good brother, and I love him. And I said, hey, uh, he said, hey, I heard you're thinking about trying to buy that building. And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, do you know old so-and-so that goes to church there? I said, well, I don't, but I'm going to go down there and meet him. And he said, good luck. Good luck. Now, here's the thing. There's always going to be those folks who are going to tell you it ain't going to happen. You can't have it. Now, that guy doesn't even live here anymore, and I have it. Come on. Amen? We have it. And we fed 80 men down there last night and had a big old time. And this Wednesday, we're going to have 140 kindergarten through fifth graders and have a bigger time. Amen? All right, so the first thing you got to do, I didn't tear up my note page, so you're lucky, all right? I, I did the next page, amen? All right, you got to see it. That's what she did. What did she do? She saw herself touching the hem of his garment. Here's the second thing she did. She said it. King James says she said it. I know when I touch the hem of Jesus, I'll be made whole. Now, listen to me. Can I just encourage you? Whatever mountain you're facing, her mountain was 12 years old, and it was big, and it was slowing with blood. Whatever your mountain looks like, See the answer in your heart and say it. That's how you got saved. You know that, right? You believed in your heart and you said with your mouth, Jesus, come into my life. Boom, he did, right? That's how the kingdom works, see? That's how it works. Hey, Jesus, thank you that you're moving on my finances or you're moving on my marriage or you see your marriage the way you want it. You see your life the way you want it. Here's the third thing she did. She possessed it. What do you mean? She got up off her hind end, dusted herself off, opened the door, went outside, violated culture, walked right into the crowd, got up close, fell down, and grabbed his garment. Instead of saying, well, if it was God's will, Jesus would come knock on the door. I mean, if it was his will, I'd wake up in the morning, he'll be at the breakfast table. Right? She saw it, she said it, and she possessed it. Now, listen to me very carefully. This is so powerful. God doesn't decide how blessed you are. You do. God doesn't decide. See, God doesn't decide how much faith I have. I do. Right? You decide how blessed you are. You decide how much you want. My mom used to always tell me, oh, you're so close to God. I wish I had the relationship with God. You do. You're so close to God. You know why? I want to be. Amen? I want to be. I spend time with him. I'm real close with somebody else. She's sitting right over there. We had coffee in the same room this morning, and I kind of cleared my throat, and she said, don't talk. Don't talk. How am I going to tell you I love you and you're the angel of my life if I can't talk? How am I going to do that? Amen? I mean, I was clearing my throat so I could tell the woman of my dreams, you are my angel. Don't talk. Y'all pray for me. Y'all know how bad I have it. Amen? Man, I, I mean, I've got it bad. Yeah. Amen? I have a relationship with her because I want one. Amen? All right, listen to me. I want you to be encouraged. 
Okay, don't turn this into something it's not. Read your Bible, come to church, draw your heart towards Jesus, and you know what? You'll begin to see things in your life like you've never thought possible simply because you reach out and take Jesus at his word and you trust him and you believe him and you take Jesus, this is what I need in my life, and watch him work in your life. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray.